This is Transistor.fm. Thursday product people, it's Justin Jackson here. Welcome to the show. I told you I'd be back every Thursday, didn't I? Publishing this one a little bit late on Thursday, but that's okay. That's okay. How am I doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? You feeling okay? Hope you're finding some time to work on your own projects and get stuff done. By the way, if you're working on something cool, I'd love to hear about it. Get me on Twitter, at MIJustin. A lot of people interested in my new project, productpeople.club. Go there, sign up for the waiting list. I think I'm going to post a screenshot today of kind of what's going to, what's in the pipes for productpeople.club. What else? Going to Edmonton soon. Going to make the drive down with the fam, or should I say up? It's north from where I am. Big 12-hour drive. Six people in a minivan. It is going to be a good time. Here's the stats from last year's trip. Let's see. We had uh, three kids throw up, uh, two bleeding noses, and one speeding ticket. So I'm hoping I can beat those stats this year. We'll see. I'll let you guys know how it works out. Once again, Stryker, one of my favorite bands providing music for the show. This is Fight For Your Life. Let's go talk with Brennan Dunn. Great guy to talk to, especially if you're looking at how to market your product, how to build something people actually want. All right, let's go. Let's get into the show. Justin Jackson here, and I'm live with Brennan Dunn. Brennan runs PlanScope at planscope.io and doubleyourfreelancingrate.com. He's essentially living the dream, aren't you, Brennan? Depends on the day, but yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've got, um, it's definitely getting better. Um, been a few uh, bumps in the road with regarding uh, personal stuff, family stuff, but uh, otherwise, the the amazing part has been that I literally took six weeks off and business still sold stuff, which is great. So yeah, well, let's start with that. Actually, I I think who was I just talking to you about this? Uh, the oh, I was talking to Garrett Diamond about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was saying, what are the biggest misconceptions people have when it comes to your world and what it's really like running your business. He said running a SaaS business is way harder than people think. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more customer support. And um, 
but he also said, you know, he's had like he's had some hard health issues this year too, and um, you know, he said things basically kept running while he was going. It dipped a little bit, but that was the advantage is that he had this uh, stuff on the other side. But he definitely says it's a lot harder to run a product business than than people might think. Well, it depends. Um, like I've got my my books right. Like they like double your freelancing rate has been out two years. I literally put zero effort each month into that, and it still does a few thousand a month. So that's kind of the ideal. I mean, people say like there's no such thing as passive income. That's true to a degree. However, if you have enough stuff and, and enough like glue between it all, right? Like I've got my newsletter, my blog, and all that. They'll eventually tie into my different products. Um, it is kind of passive in that respect. But yeah, with a um, you know with a, with a blog or not a blog with a SaaS. I think the issue is it just takes time to actually make a dent in your finances. Like it just takes it takes so long for a, a typical SaaS to get to the point where it can actually like be meaningful in your income. Um, yeah. So that that's actually what led me to a lot of doing a lot of these products, these other products, is that I uh, I did what I think a lot of especially consultants do, and that's like okay, I'm switching off consulting. I'm not going to have clients anymore. I'm going to do products. And then you realize, like, well, I still need to pay the bills, and you, you know, it's it, I'm making like okay, 400 a month or something, great, but like, you know, I need it, I need to add a zero or two or something, you know, to that. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, so I use products as a way to kind of uh, create varying or additional revenue channels. But what's been cool is that all this stuff I built has reinforced like plan scope and the other stuff. So mm -hmm. it's been. Um, it's been a cool journey. It's been really cool just being able to, like, consultants are my thing. Like, those are, that's my audience, I guess, freelancers and consultants. Yeah. And, like, all of my products touch on a different part of consulting. And um, they, there's really good overlap. So I'm, I'm happy that I kind of made that decision. That's something I would recommend to, like, anyone starting out. Like, don't, don't like, don't do, don't, don't pull, uh, pull a Patrick McKenzie and sell to, like, teachers and plumbers and SaaS operators. Like, it's yeah. too hard to sell them. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and this has been a reoccurring theme, uh, and so I'm going to ask you this as well. First of all, who should you start with, and and maybe we can help relieve some of the anxiety that people have around who they should, you know, who sh they should focus on, and uh, then second, what kind of product should you build? your first time around? Should you build a full-time SaaS or what should you do? So let's start with audience first. What kind of people should you focus on? Uh, ideally, I think you should um, focus on people that you know a lot about. Like, Don't, don't say I'm going to build a lawyer, like law firm management app when you know nothing about law stuff. Um, I, I think it's easier to, to find whether it's domains that you've had experience in. Like if you've worked in um, like let's say you've had a lot of clients or you worked in a job that involved like like case in point. So one of my earliest jobs is I worked as a designer or designer slash developers for a company that did like lead generation for uh, like mortgage brokers and real estate agents. So I learned a lot about like leads and lead gen and all that kind of stuff doing that. Um, so like when I left that, I started my, my little first startup, um, which we generated mortgage leads and we sold them and um, you know I wouldn't have I got that experience from having worked in that industry 
So I think it's a lot, you're definitely going to have a heads up if you know the industry, you know it well, and you're a member of the audience, ideally. I mean, I wasn't a member of a mortgage broker audience, per se, but I knew enough about what they needed and, you know, just from that exposure. So I, I definitely think, like, stay close, stick to, um, you know, in my case, I'm selling to consultants, but I am and was a consultant for many, many years. Um, so it's been easier for me because I'm able to produce content that they, they like because it's, you know, I have, uh, I have the, re I have the credentials to talk on certain subjects. Yeah. But on top of that, I, kn I know firsthand kind of like the pains that they have. So that's yeah. been helpful too. Well, and this is, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a range here, right? Like on one side we could say, you know, there's some people that say like stay as close to the metal as you can. So if you are a consultant, sell to consultants. Yeah. And then the, the next step is maybe you've been a consultant, but you've been uh, selling to, I'm trying to think of a good example that's not too crazy. Um, you've been selling to insurance salesmen your whole life, so you yeah. know a lot about that industry. So would you say that it's okay to be in this group <laughs> right here? Uh, yeah, I would. Um, <clears throat> The only the only issue I think is usually it's easier to sell to people who know how to like I would I would struggle selling to insurance salesmen because I don't really know how to acquire them or, or where they loiter I guess mm, right yeah so that could involve higher touch offline sales which is probably what would need to happen yeah and that's totally doable if you're okay with that. Um, thing I like about what I'm doing now is I, I know, like, I have a lot of these predictable acquisition channels that I can tap into that don't require me to go and, like, hang out at uh, insurance conferences or anything, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I think, um, but I, I wouldn't write it off. Like, um, a really good example of this is, uh, uh, like, Matt Wensing, who runs uh, Risk Pulse, which was Storm Pulse. Um, yeah. It, like... I mean, it's a really cool product, but he's selling to, like, people who run, like, FedEx and, like, asset management companies, right? So yeah. he knew enough about, like, asset tracking and weather stuff because that was his hobby, like, the weather aspects and risk. Um, but he's able – but, you know, ask him. I mean, he's got salespeople, right, who work for him because to get a client like that or a customer like that, you need to do, uh, you, know, you know, the kind of, like, the higher-touch tapping. So – it depends on what you want to do, I think. It depends on how how high touch, how offline you might want to get. Yeah. Like if you if you want to say like I uh you know, dentists have the crappy software, I'm gonna build new dental software. Um, dentists are not typically Googling around for like dental software, right? Like yeah. to get in there, you're gonna need to like knock on their door, do a presentation and you know, all that kind of stuff. So like that's one of the misconceptions I see is a lot of developers were like like, I can't believe my auto mechanic uses this, this crappy, like, you know, 1980s-style terminal thing to, like, do stuff, right? Like, I could build something in a weekend in Rails that would be so much better. But then we, do, we don't realize that, like, it's not that easy. Like, it's not about the product. It's about getting it in their hands. And if you don't know how to get it in their hands, um, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah, you need, you need a path to market. I, I think that's the one thing... Because I, I get a lot of emails from people saying, well, what about this idea? Like, what about this market? And you've kind of identified, I think, three things. One is 
how well do you know it? Like, can you speak with authority about the subject? Two, uh, do you even like these people? Because you're going to be, you're literally going to be helping these people forever, you know. And I think about uh, Alan Branch quite a bit with this, with less accounting. So, like, a yep. big part of his day is he has to hang out with accountants, and mm -hmm. obviously he's okay with that. He's made that choice. But you have to yeah. think, like, he hangs out with accountants a lot. Like, he's going to conferences. Like, he goes to accountant conferences, like, for yeah. CPAs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to think, like, you have to be able to visualize yourself hanging out with these people. And, yeah. you know, if it's, it's actually funny that, you know, like, real estate agents and, like, people always want to build products for real estate agents and, and other things. But you have to, like, imagine, like, like, do you want to go to real estate agent conferences and hang out all day? Um, so that was number two. And then the third thing you said is how easy is it to reach them? Right. And I think that's a big thing. You know, it, the, um, I work in my day job. I work in kind of enterprise communications. And wow. our biggest challenge is finding out where those people hang out. Like where, where can you find them? They're not, uh, there's no like identifiable group of them online. Right. And that's the issue. Like, I can find freelancers more or less pretty easily online um, because they tend to Google for, like, how do I raise my rate or how do I get clients. Like, they, they're web workers, right, so they use the web to do stuff. Um, you know, it's a little harder for certain uh, audiences. Yeah, and the, the other thing we didn't mention, but you mentioned in the last interview you and I did, and I, I want to say this again. This is one of my favorite quotes. You said, listen to what people who have a financial interest are complaining about. What, what did you mean by that when you said that? Yeah, I mean, so you want to you find pre-existing cash flow, I think. So you want to find, like, um, uh, you, you want to tap into, like, things that are actually affecting somebody's bottom line, right? So, um, you know, like, one of the misconceptions, like, to go back to my dental software for example, like, does the dentist really think they're losing money by having crappy software, right? Like, do, do they really, do they know that? You know, yeah. maybe, maybe you think, you're coming from, like, a UX perspective, but, you know, they're like, well, it's like habit. I just hit the right stroke, you know, uh, whatever of keys in a row, and it does what I need. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, you, you really need to tap into, you need to tap into core needs that aren't being fulfilled with whatever current workflows exist. So, um, like a great example would be, uh, you have a an office of insurance salespeople and they're emailing spreadsheets back and forth to each other all day, right? Like that is, um, they're losing money because they're wasting time on and they're you know there's a, a, a hourly rate I guess for like you know their time and um, so if you can tap into that, well you know these workflows are costing you money and here's why and here's why I think you should look at what we're doing. Or the better alternative, which is always, I can make you more money, and you show them how, like, um, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could auto, like, automatically qualify your inbound leads through, uh, by conditioning them over time through, like, email courses or drip campaigns or something, which is something, like, like most SMBs know nothing about. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you come in, you're not, like, you, you come in and say, hey, I've got this little thing that, um, you know, you're, you're a, you're a, I mean, case in point, like, to go back to Patrick, he's got his thing that reminds patients of, like, clinics and massage parlors or whatever to come in. Yeah. Right? That's a way to, to, 
the paying company, the people who are paying for his software, make more money. And he focuses on that, not focuses on like, hey, we'll text people for you, right? Like that's not the focus. That's the feature, but it's not the benefit. Yeah. So, you know, identify identify where are people hemorrhaging money and where are people uh, losing out on, on potential opportunities and, and sell that. Don't sell this, the product. Yeah, and, um, you know, that just made me think of, uh, I, a lot of times I think, uh, developers, what they've, they've asked me, you know, like, they're basically saying, like, how do I figure out what people need? And I think it's partly because they think of um, the world a little bit differently. As creative people, wow. sometimes we're thinking of the world as, like, oh, I could improve this user experience, or I could improve this back end, or I could improve the way this looks, I could improve the way this functions, mm -hmm. or I could gather all this data. Like, there's all these kind of interesting things to us that are like, man, I just, like, want to do that because it's interesting. Yeah. But where one of the easiest ways to find out how to build a business is to look around your office and just think, how could I make them more money? Like, that question alone is super, super helpful. Well, that's a way to sell anything, too. Like, who wouldn't pay a dollar to get two back, right? Yeah. Like, that's, why wouldn't you? So if you can figure that out and tap into that vein, um, that's all you sell. Yeah. I mean, that's and still in a B2B context, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there might even be, uh, it, I think the bar does not have to be super high for that either. Like, you've, we, we're kind of going around this topic of start with a small product first, um, and... You know, you could build, like, let's take our insurance salesman's uh, example. I know nothing about insurance sales. But if you could build uh, a really simple uh, interactive product that generated leads for insurance people. So, like, take this thing to assess your, you know, how much insurance you need and, you know, whatever. And then it gives the insurance people a list of those leads. That's not complicated software, but it has a lot of value to insurance salesmen. And I wouldn't even I wouldn't even start with a line of code. What I would do is um, a good example of this is actually I had a conversation with a local here about a year ago who wanted to do this thing where um, it'll like automatically send your mom and relatives and stuff like gifts on their birthday, right? So yeah. um, you just get them in your card and you say, okay, on Mother's Day, send my mom this bouquet of flowers, and then on her birthday, send this, and you know, so on. Yeah. It's like a set it and forget it thing. Yeah. And he was like, well, what framework should I use? And should I use Ruby or should I use Python? And all this stuff. And I'm like, what you want to do at first is you have a spreadsheet and you sell people. And when somebody says, hey, my mom's birthday is October 15th, and I want to send her this, you go into your calendar and you add an entry for October 15th. You say, find the credit card for this guy and send, buy this and send it here, right? Like, that's, that's, and you sell it to identify that early. I guess that's the whole lean model or whatever, right? Um, but it's true because, like, until, until there's that cash flow that people are like, you know what? This is a big enough, like, remembering this shit is a big enough pain that I will pay you, like, an overhead to do this on my behalf. Um, yeah. But even go back a little further about, like, do you even start with a software product? I would start with, um, you know, people say, like, well, I want to write a book, right? And the best thing I, I the, the best thing that I, that I would recommend anyone who, who has that idea is, well, do like a, do like a webinar first, because webinars don't require nearly the prep time 
They don't require the like shooting in the dark element that writing a book has. And on top of that, it's conversational. Yeah, it's a little less structured. It's smaller, whatever. But you know, if you can say, "Hey, I'm on, I'm an authority on this subject, and I'm gonna like you know come and let's talk and go to a webinar for an hour, and I will present something." Um, you do that. You have some sort of bi-directional feedback mechanism. You learn from that, and then you further like flesh that out into something more transactional. So I did a, a workshop on recurring revenue that I've done twice now. And now I'm at the point where I'm taking like the like the first one was kind of like the shot in the dark. Like I don't really know what people want to know, so I'm gonna host this and it's like yes, I have content and curriculum, but it's more or less like an ask me anything uh, element too. Yeah. The second one was much more refined because I had that initial feedback loop that I could then refine what I was teaching and you know make it a little more cohesive. And now that one was rec recorded, and now it's going to be, I've got an editor who's just making it nice, and it's going to be a downloadable product, right? So, like, I didn't say, I'm going to record this video course in my, in my office. You know, I, yeah. I started with that, and then that, you know, that worked its way down into something more transactional. We all want the, like, wake up and there's money being sent to me feeling, but I think there needs to be, or there should be more of, like, a, a transitionary half to that, right? Like building a SaaS is my first thing was the dumbest thing I ever did. Yeah. You know, from a uh, case. Um, just because I didn't like I didn't know enough about what people wanted and I didn't know enough in the context of hey this person paid me money to get this in return. Like interviewing people is great and all, but unless there's like cash flow happening, it's it's a little less um, you need to take things with a little more grain of salt, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's not as Loves accurate. So, I think um, like my favorite example of this is Nick Desvato, who has uh, Draft Revise, which is like a A/B testing thing. Um, what's cool is it's really it looks like a product, it looks like a SaaS that you're buying, but it's really just his time. And what he's able to do is over time he's able to automate a lot of it into software, and it now it eventually becomes a SaaS. But right now it's him doing it manually. But to, from the perspective of the customer, they're paying for a SaaS. But over time he can start you know, putting things into place that make it so it's not Nick's time, it's Nick's, uh, it's a, you know, the same outcomes being produced, but it's not depending on Nick's time. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the best way to do it. And, if you can. and that was like, because you've said before, don't start with the SaaS product. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to remember your timeline, because one of our listeners here just asked, um, what if double your freelancing rate was your first kind of, uh, info product. Yes. Uh, it, it was your first info product? Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you, like, when did you decide it was time to move up the chain and do kind of higher value products like your master class? So that was really, um, I mean, double your freelancing rate came from PlanScope customers asking about pricing. Um, the master class came from general customers, PlanScope and, um, and W Freelancing Rate, who were asking about, hey, I, I saw you bootstrap this agency to loving people. Like, how did you do that? Um, so that came from that. I mean, everything emerged from discussions, right? Like, everything emerged from people. Like, if people keep asking the same thing and you know that, that the implications of what you're asking affect their business financially, um, that's a pretty good smell for a product opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of this now. Like, 
on my onboarding when people join my newsletter, I I ask them like point blank, like you know, what what core problem brought you here, right? And I have Gmail automatically labeling all of these, and I from time to time, like once a month, just go through and look at them all and try to like extract key elements to normalize it and figure out like, okay, is there anything is there anything people are asking about that I don't address? And that's kind of like my product creation formula these days. Um, before it was the same thing, it just wasn't my audience, it was other people's, so I'd go on to like, forums and message boards and um, whatever else and, and just like be that fly on a wall and figure out what people are asking to each other. And yeah. now they're asking it to me, which is a little more direct because I can respond directly and um, I get more volume, I guess. Um, yeah, so that's kind of exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah. And so, and so do you not do as much outside research now? Now most of it is just kind most of, of responding to your... Yeah, most of it. I have literally probably upwards of 1,500 at least um, conversations labeled, di a lot of different labels in Gmail that... Um, and then I, I take like the core chunks of that into, and I just have like Google Docs white files that are around different themes, and I normalize that and figure out common trends. And the best part is, these are things that people are saying in their own words, so I can know what like that all gets recycled in the marketing, right? Like, so my my new W Freelancing Rate site that I launched yesterday, like almost every keyword combo and phrase and all that stuff came from somebody. Saying that in an email to me, yeah. Um, so it's 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 just it's it's better that way because it shows that you understand their needs, right? Like if you understand what they're going through, right? Yeah. So. And so maybe just explain quickly how do you do that? So if something comes into Gmail and you have a, a filter that's filtering out all the responses. So have, my autoresponders have certain subjects, right? So I just create filters that look for reply to you know re colon subject of email, and those get automatically um, labeled in Gmail. Gotcha. And and so then you can go through those in another time. And then you said you have uh, just something in Google Docs. You just manually copy those into Google Docs? I copy, no, I, I copy, like, I mean, if somebody sends me, like, a five-paragraph email, I'm not going to, like, it's not all valuable to me, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll, you know, I try to just extract, like, oh, this is a, a cool way of phrasing this, and I'll just copy and paste that into a... Um, Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're tracking all that stuff. I want to take one step back and yep. uh, we'll just quickly talk about maybe, because uh, you said you learned something doing your first wor workshop to your second. So why don't yeah. you just take us through how you do a workshop now, how you'd recommend people do a workshop. How should they structure it? Because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking like, what do I do? I just go on and yeah. teach or... So my, the stuff I did early, like when I first did my master class, it was the typical like I had a slide deck, and I'd just share my screen and, and drone into my microphone for a few hours. Um, <laughs> the issue with that is it's it's a one-to-many thing, right? Like, it's a broadcast. You know, it's, it's no no different than somebody reading a book of mine. You know, they're, they're hearing the author, but there, there's no, like, discussion element. So what I've been doing lately is uh, Google, Google Hangouts or even um, go to webinar with everyone off of mute. And making it like so, my masterclass format now is I have um, this really lengthy outline that kind of steers the talking points that I cover. So my masterclass is two days, five hours a day, so it's ten hours total. 
And what I do is like the first day is all sales marketing. I just work through that outline, but it's conversational. I'll say like, you know, so Bob, you know, tell me more about exactly how, like, what is your sales process now? And what do you think you're going to do differently as a result of what we just covered? So it's very, it's like we're all around a conference table talking, right? But I'm the one steering the discussion. I'm the moderator. And um, so it's less formal, I guess. But what I found is it's a lot more valuable for the attendee. Mm -hmm. um, with the added benefit that you don't need to prepare a bunch of you know, presentation slides. You know. Gotcha. So do you have any slides now, or you just have an outline, and then everyone's kind of on screen? Um, and people, like, the results and the reception is exponentially higher. For, because people would just get, you know, you, you staring at a slide deck for five hours, I mean, you get, like, it's, it's okay. You, you kind of, you know, zone yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so now it's just a, it's a conversation that me and up to 14 other people have. And that's what I did. That's what I do for everything now. And it's just a way, you know, it's recorded, so I can go in and reference it. And um, you know, over time, my master class over the last, so I switched in last summer to being um, this kind of more informal setting for the master class. And each time it gets better because I'm realizing, like, I'm refining. You know, I've got a follow-up survey too, which helps too. You know, also. But during the thing, during the class, I can kind of tell. Where I'm losing people, what do people keep like getting stuck on, and, and, and so on, and it helps me refine that that definitive outline for the next time I do it, right? Yeah. Um, but event eventually, like, I have so much um, data about like what, how it's evolved over time that if I ever wanted to make like me sitting here and getting some like film crew to do like a build your own consultancy little video course, I would be much better off than if I um, had done that without the context of over a year of doing these live workshops. Yeah. Uh, just so much more about like the attendees and what, what drew them there and what are their what really are their needs? What do they need to know and need to, need to have addressed? Yeah. This is awesome. What would you recommend for someone starting out? Like, should they just do a one-hour workshop on a Saturday? What's kind of the sweet spot for somebody starting yeah. out? I'm focusing on freelancers who tend to more or less set their own schedule, so weekdays are okay, and I don't like weekends anyway. Um, but for a lot of things, yeah, Saturday might be better. Um, some Sunday ones, too. Or nighttime ones, like Ramit does a lot of, for his webinars, does a lot of, like, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, um, so I would just like like I tell people all the time like let's you can't fail like failure is just no nobody showing up and it's like okay I'll just republish a new date and you know try it again yeah uh, has that ever happened to you no <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, because even with the, I mean, I could talk, I could talk launch strategy for these things too. Mm -hmm. But with that first workshop, I, um, I basically sold it out in less than an hour because I had built up a pretty decent launch sequence all mm -hmm. through the postscript area of my weekly network. So I sold it with no website, like the first time. There was no no site, nothing at all. It was all through like the PS line, <laughs> my yeah. newsletter. Kind of yeah. crazy, but it worked. So. Yeah. So, but for someone starting out, like, let's just give them a, a picture. Like, could it be 
because I, I, I don't know what, um, I, I, I've never done one of these, so I don't know what, where, where does the value start? I'm sure it depends well, on the you've audience. You've done these live hangout things. Yeah. It's not much of a difference. So would you do like, I'm just thinking like, think of yourself if you had 100 people on your list, 200 yeah. people, 300 people. What should, what do you think they should they shoot for having five people to start, uh, and like an hour? So I would um I would start with free webinars. Like don't don't do a paid workshop yet. Just do like a um. You know just just do like a, a one hour, thirty minute. Or no, I'd say a one hour um thing that correlates with the kind of stuff you write about each week or on your newsletter. Because the thing is, like, even a newsletter, it's a one-to-many format, right? Like, you, you, you reach out to a lot of people, but yes, you can have the whole, like, reply and tell me something, whatever, but it's still a little awkward, I think, to reply versus a, hey, come hang out with me for an hour. Um, you know, if you have any questions relating to marketing for developers, let's just, you know, I'm, I'm here. You can ask me anything. I'll address each of your questions. It's a really great way to build up... Um, that kind of like customer, future customer loyalty, right? Like that's what you're doing. And then you can say, okay, so I'm glad you enjoyed that. We covered the why. We covered the, on a superficial level, like different questions. Now come out and we're going to, for three hours, um, for 100 bucks or for 500 bucks or whatever you want to charge, we're going to drill much deeper into this kind of stuff we talked about on, our, on that free thing we did. But, um, you know, we're going to drill much deeper. I've got a, a, a um, like a, content that I want to share with you, a very structured framework, let's say. And you put that together, and it's just the, it's, it's the exposition of what you would have done anyway in like a book format, let's say. Yeah. And you cover that exhaustively, and you just invite the people who attended before, and the people who attended before are the ones who gave you a lot of good feedback and those questions about what you should be asking, what you should cover, um, what you should teach on. So, yeah. just, yeah, I mean, and if... If two people show up, that just means it's more valuable to them, right? Like, you know, yeah. they get more value out of it because there's more direct exposure, and it's it's just learning and experimenting for you. Yeah, yeah, this is great advice. I wish I'd done this for my first book because it would have been so. Like, I heard you mention this on another podcast where you said, you said, you know, I wouldn't have built a SaaS. And then everyone kind of automatically jumps to a book, but people don't realize like a SaaS and a book are actually a lot of work. And then you had mentioned, well, I would, I would just do a webinar, and I was thinking, oh yeah, like a webinar that really reduces the 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 barrier to entry, doesn't it? It's more about I think it's it's closer to consulting. It's more valuable to the attendee in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, the attendee gets more value because they have direct. You know, it's like with a book again. What's the protocol if you have a follow-up question? What do you do, right? Yeah. Reply to the email the author. It's kind of weird, right? Like, I mean, but people do that, obviously. But it's not as comfortable, I think, as um, having like a discussion forum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is awesome. Um, just a quick question. Um, Corey asks, you know, with the SaaS app, you often look for people losing money on a problem. Is there a kind of an equivalent answer for something like a webinar? Is it the same thing? You looking for people that are looking to save money or... I mean, it's just a difference in medium, right? Like, the the, the big eye-opener, the thing that let me write a book, because I was a typical engineer. I was like, e-books are scammy. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. 
I I started to realize like no one no one cared that PlanScope was Mac, right? Like no one cared that my book is a PDF file or Kindle whatever. Um, what matters is the results, the, the change that Delta they get after using your product or consuming your product. So I um, that's what allowed me to do it was you know people sign up for something like PlanScope because they want to be more accountable to the clients. They want to be more transparent. They want to um, really impress their clients when it comes to managing their, their project. But people buy um, double your freelancing rate not because they want a book, they buy it because they want to raise their prices, or they buy my other book, The Blueprint, because they want to generate more leads. So it's all like there's always that end. And, um, you know, I think as, as like technical people, as engineers and stuff, we get so caught up on the medium because, you know, it took us so long to get good at Ruby or so long to get good at coding or whatever else that we're so fixated on that. No, but even like even if you're selling to developers, they don't give a shit. Like I don't care what code climate's made, and I just want my um, my app to be better. I want to see that awesome report that says I'm doing something good. Yeah. Um, it's just we get so fixated on the medium. Um, so yeah, I think it's all about benefits. It could be a webinar, it could be a one-on-one consulting Skype call, it could be a um, a book, it could be a video course, it could be software, it could be what like it, it doesn't matter. I think. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Brennan, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Cool, man. You guys. All right, that's the show for this week. Big thanks to Brennan Dunn. You should check out Brennan online. BrennanDunn.com, at Brennan Dunn on Twitter planscope.io doubleyourfreelancingrate.com that's where you need to go go check him out he has helped a lot of people and if you're into consulting or you call yourself a freelancer right now he's the guy you need to talk to alright you can follow the show product people at product people TV on Twitter again go and check out what we're doing at productpeople.club You might be interested. Go see what it's about. We're going to be sharing live video from these interviews. So the full interview. I only shared about half with you today. But you get the full interview where Brendan Dunn actually goes through his funnel and shows you how everything works. That's going to be at productpeople.club. What else? I'm Justin. You can follow me on Twitter at MIJustin. StrikerMetal, striker-metal.com. Thanks for the music, guys. And, man, it feels like I'm forgetting something. I can't think of it. Just go out and do it. See you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.